Welcome to Align and Hustle. I'm your host, Kathy Spence, photographer, entrepreneur, and brand strategist. Each week, I will bring you inspiring conversations that will help you expand your mind, align with your purpose, and take action towards creating a life you love. Are you ready? Let's do this. Well, hey there. Welcome. It's episode two. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. Today, I have a guest, my first interview. Have you ever heard that saying, if you want to be in the light, you need to stand where it's shining? Well, that is how I felt when I first met today's guest, Kim Fitzpatrick. She is such a beautiful light. I am so excited to share this interview with you today. She is the CEO of a fitness company that she runs with her husband. She is in charge of a global online sales team. She recently launched her own product line. She is a mom. She is a wife and a beautiful soul. And she shares my vision of helping women to uncover their best life. I am so excited to share this interview with my beautiful friend, Kim Fitzpatrick. Okay, so here we go. Hi, Kim. So nice to see you. I'm so excited for this. Hi, Kathy. It's so good to be here. Congratulations on your new podcast. This is so exciting. Thank you. I'm so excited that you've agreed to be one of my first interviews. I don't know if you know this, but I started following you a couple years ago um, because I heard you on a podcast and your story was so inspiring and there were so many... um, connections that I just needed to get to know more about you. And you're such an inspiration to me, both personally and professionally. So I'm so honored to have you here on on the podcast. Oh, I appreciate that so much. And it's been so beautiful connecting with you and being able to see you at different events and starting to get to know you through your work and your writing. Um, It just, it's been really, I believe, an organic relationship. And I just, I admire you so much. So I just love that I'm sitting here on your new podcast, um, being able to kind of pour back into you and what you've, you've done for me over the last few years as well. Oh, wow. Kim, thank you so much. Personally and professionally, I'm just in awe of the brand as a brand strategist and brand photographer. I'm just in awe of the brand that you've built for yourself. But I want to go back a little bit and because you didn't start here. Um, Mm -hmm. You started in a corporate, like you didn't see yourself as a fitness and wellness coach or motivator. You started in a corporate job, correct? Right. So I started actually 15 years ago in the seat in the world of senior living, the field of senior living in Canada, um, started, you know, I remember wanting to save the seniors. That was my, <laughs> that was my goal. I needed to go be someone that helped seniors live a better life. I thought that, you know, I, my experience with senior living and older age was long-term care. And I couldn't, I couldn't deal with the fact that seniors in my eyes when I was young and, you know, how can they live like that? What do you mean they don't get to go out? Like, what do you mean they don't get, I was so, um, I guess, uninformed, right? Mm -hmm. So my little uninformed, ignorant, but really grateful heart, knowing I wanted to go help people benefited really well because my, my, uh, the knowledge I didn't know actually served me well as I learned the landscape of what senior living looked like in Ontario and in Canada. Um, so that was really helpful for me, but it really rooted from wanting to help other people, wanting to help people age successfully, 
Mm-hmm. And when I walked into Sunrise, the actual place that I worked at first, their mission statement was to champion the quality of lives for all seniors. And it resonated with me on such a beautiful level, you know, and as I walked into this retirement home that had a golden retriever and popcorn going and people were laughing and there were nurses in the, uh, sitting on their breaks playing cards with the residents. Like I walked in and I said, this is home to me. This is what this feels like. This is what ideal living would look like when we are preserving dignity and we are encouraging independence, um, and helping people to age successfully, uh, based on what their needs are. So for me, that's what I believed my job was. Um, and I loved it so much. I loved being able to, I called myself the camp counselor for seniors and older adults. And I would actually, eventually I got my bus license and I would be the bus driver. No and I would, way. Yes. I would drive all. Why can I, I would, see you on the I bus? I drive me? all over, like all over. And we, <laughs> I always had this one Tuesday afternoon, every Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Um, I took out some residents living with Alzheimer's disease. And that was my favorite ride. Because they were in England and in all these places, and they no and way. I just got to join their journey, yeah. and that's how I really try to live my life. I try to meet people where they're at, and how can I join in a journey, but also bring joy in that journey. So for me, I loved my corporate career. I loved it. I did. I had no interest in pursuing anything different. Um, what I learned as I moved up the corporate ladder, though, is the further that I moved up the corporate ladder, the further I moved away from my heart connection. The further I moved away from being able to make impact, the further I made, I moved away from actually having a say versus the policies winning, the further that I moved away from the net operating income and the return on the company's investment, mm-hmm. my voice no longer mattered. And that was hard. Um, it was hard when I came forth with an idea that I knew from a, a research perspective and an innovation perspective that it would move mountains for the seniors that we served you know, it was, it was good. It was brought to the table, but it was always benchmarked to Q4 mm. and never happened. And then so, never happened. Yeah. yeah. So those are things where, again, I have full respect for, for the corporate world. I loved my profession, but I found that when I, I found this business, um, which was an online health and wellness business, mm-hmm. um, funny fact about me, I don't like fitness. I actually don't like working out. So See, this is why I like you too. I do not like working out. I like how I feel after I work out. But if I could not work out yet, like I haven't worked out yet today. Yeah. And I'm, I know I will, but it's like, that's not all I think about. Like it's a very minor scale of what actually I do in this business, which is mindset mm-hmm. and leadership and helping people become leaders in their own lives. And that's what I fell in love with when I was you know, synonymously working this business as well as working in the corporate world, I started to gravitate towards, wow, the impact I'm making globally here is real change versus what I was kind of being handcuffed in, in the corporate world. So So was there like a pivotal, because I speak to, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and there always seems to be this pivotal turning point. Was there something that triggered that for you too or? Yeah. You know what? I know exactly what happened. Our company was bought by a bigger company mm-hmm. and the rebranding happened. And a lot of our leadership team did get let go. Mm-hmm. And the new leadership team that came in was, you know, different. And I was a lot for them. And, you know, that was, it was interesting. So, so at that point, did you realize that working for a corporation, it was more, you were more a number and, you would make a lot more impact trusting in yourself and believing in yourself and building something for yourself? 
I, I actually will say that I really, I had a hard time leaving the corporate world because for me, my title determined my worth. Mm. For me, I had finally made it in my family that I was successful. Mm-hmm. For me, the fact that I worked in a corporate job was everything to my family. Um, they believe in titles. That's, you know, they determine, at least from my experience, um, when I'm, I, I had heard this a couple of times, you've made it when I got that corporate title. Whereas I thought I had made it from the very beginning when I was earning less than $30,000 a year, pouring my life into seniors, you know, because so, you were more on purpose at that point. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So to answer that question, I actually was afraid to leave my corporate job. Mm-hmm. I was afraid from what were people going to think of me? I was afraid. I didn't know what being an entrepreneur was. I w- I'm an employee. I grew up and was raised as an employee. Mm-hmm. And you know, I say that with deep respect because I'm sure that I can, I can, I can relate to a lot of the listeners listening. Mm-hmm. It is awesome to be an employee. I loved being an employee. It was safe for me. Being a corporate employee was, felt safe for me until it didn't feel safe for me anymore. And that's when I started to realize because I had been building this part-time business on the side for the last three years, financially we were great. It actually was more of a risk for me to continue working in a place that was not serving me mm-hmm. spiritually, emotionally, energetically, um, to be able to, to release some of that. And ironically, I didn't, when I did end up quitting my last, my corporate job, I actually took a seven month contract and I would drive like hours away from me to go because I didn't want to leave the, the industry. I was fearful of that. So it felt easier to me to quit my one job and go to a, go to another one. But I quickly realized I was so unhappy and I ended that contract early and then I was ready to come out on my own. But it took me, it took me a long time to be able to come to the grips that Kim, you're a successful entrepreneur. Kim, you are building a successful global business that's scalable. Kim, you are independently earning excellent income and your family is safe here. And that took me a while because that's really important to make sure that you're financially and fiscally secure before Mm -hmm. you make those big decisions. So that all came into play. You know, it was my ego. (laughs) It was what are people going to think of me? It was the people pleaser. And then also ensuring that we were fiscally stable and secure. So what helped you bust through those beliefs that you had of yourself and stand in this new purpose? Well, I'm a personal development junkie. I'm a okay. self-help junkie. I have been for years and years. So for the last 17 years, I've actually listened to personal development, personal growth. Um, I actually never listened to the new radio and I don't even know how to turn my TV on. Okay. Um, See, this is why we were meant to be. I just friends. don't. Know I haven't how. watched the news at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't do that. My grandmother thinks I live in a black hole. Yeah. Um, with no title, which is yeah. fine. <laughs> she has no idea what I do or how I do it, but she, it's fine. Um, you know, but she because she watches the news all day long. That's what I call her, and it's just all I hear is the news, and I get an instant panic attack. But um, I I believe in being educated and knowing what's happening in the world. Obviously, mm-hmm. but I also know that my inside work is, was really important. You see, for me, I had a lot of demons I had to heal. I had a lot of hurts and past traumas that I had to heal in order to grow enough to believe in myself, to walk away. And, and I also need to, are you comfortable speaking on that a little bit more? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, 
where do I begin? My story really starts when I was born. And my story starts when I was actually before I was born. My story starts when I was in utero with my mom, uh, in, in my mom's belly and mm-hmm. her cancer came back. Uh, she had Hodgkin's lymph, uh, lymphoma and she was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and she was in remission. She got pregnant with me and her cancer came back. So she was actually given a choice. Uh, my parents, both my parents were my dad and my mom to either abort and terminate my pregnancy of me, uh, the little girl, uh, or um, to go ahead and have the baby and see what happened after. Um, and she chose to have me. And my mom did not come back out of the hospital. Uh, it was 11 months mm-hmm. and she passed. I'm so um, sorry, on, Kim. Thank you. On Remembrance Day. Um, so she sacrificed a lot for me. Um, it's never, ever lost on me that someone lost their life and my life is here. And it's never lost on me that my parents had to make that choice and my dad lost his wife. It's not lost on me that my dad remarried and they did the very best they could, but I wasn't raised with a heck of a lot of love, at least the love that I felt that I needed. And I spent a lot of my years constantly trying to figure out where I fit in. And I spent a lot of times being silenced, shushed, and told I was all too much. And that has needed a shit ton of recovery um, and healing. Uh, There's some traumas that are involved in that that I'm not going to go into, but there has been some uh, PTSD um, from childhood, um, as well as from grief, um, Mm -hmm. uh, unhealed. So I have had to unheal a lot of hurts and a lot of the past stuff that's come up that I'm able to speak to so candidly today is because my therapists have identified that. So 15 years ago, as I was doing personal development, it actually wasn't healing the deep inside wounds. It was just a Band-Aid. Mm. So I would have a Band-Aid of this, like, I'm bulletproof, but really inside I was shattered, <laughs> I thought. And I wasn't. We're never broken. None of us are broken, no matter what we've gone through. We just so have how, to heal. Sorry to interrupt you. How could you tell it was a Band-Aid? Was there because, still a way that you yeah, were sabotaging yourself? Or, yeah, there yeah. was anxiety. There was doubt. There was, sure, I walked into that room tall and poised, and, but I, my breath was short. You know, I would be doing a presentation and because <laughs> I couldn't regulate my breathing because I didn't believe in myself enough. And it's interesting because people don't, they don't see that in me now, but that's, you know, I felt like an imposter for a really long time, um, you know, and that's hard. So that's part of it. It's the healing work and then the deep, the deeper healing work. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just really, I think the catalyst was when I had my kids and I realized that the love uh, that unconditional love is there. Um, and then I had to navigate, how do I raise my babies without having been raised the way I want to raise my babies? And I had to unlearn a lot of really, um, I had to unlearn a lot. I, I often say that I'm parentless. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I have parents, but you know, we're not as close as I hoped that we could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I have to kind of work on each day. We're, we're definitely getting stronger. Um, because I'm healing and that's great. So, so there's that, and there's a lot, um, trying to navigate this big life. 
um, independently. I've got amazing siblings um, that we do this together. My sister's actually a very successful, another really successful network marketer. Um, so together we kind of have, you know, risen um, and we just really lean into that personal development. But therapy has been incredible. Um, and actually uh, my morning routine has been something that's also saved me Gratitude is everything. Uh, I really started practicing gratitude about three years ago. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the band-aid I was talking about, Kathy. It's like I would be reading all those things and listening to Robin Sharma, but I actually didn't do the work that mm -hmm. required my reprogramming of my brain. You know, neuro-linguistic pathways are powerful. NLP is very powerful. You know, your thoughts bring about so much. You know, Gandhi says that, right? Your, mm -hmm. your thoughts create your feelings. Your feelings create your actions. Your actions create your results. You know, so a lot of that I didn't understand really until, you know, about five, six years ago when I really started to have to change my, my thoughts because everything and repetitive thoughts, thoughts. Yes. Repetitive thoughts create your belief systems exactly. as well, right? Exactly. And that's where the shift's been to be honest, you know, and some of those repatterning is I am worthy. Your work does not determine your, you know, I'm an Enneagram three. Me so too. What's your wing? I'm... I'm doing a little bit more research there. So I'm, I go back and forth between wing four and wing two. Oh yes. I think I do too. Yeah. But I think wing two is the mom in me where wing four is really who I am, but the, the mom in me comes. Yeah. Out. So it's been, it's been interesting reprogramming my own thoughts, mm -hmm. you know, and then also building a team and helping other women learn about themselves as well. And I think one of the things I'm, I'm most firm on is that I'm not the hero. I'm, it's not my job to be a hero in someone else's life. It's my job to be a guide mm -hmm. and it's my job to be a compass just for my own life too. I don't necessarily need to be a hero right now in my own life, but I definitely need to be an advocate in my own life. And if I can be an advocate in my own life and when I, you know, I want to eat more vegetables because it's going to serve my body. And it's what I tell my children, how come I'm not taking care of myself? So I've actually had to really learn that art of parenting myself. Mm -hmm. So it's the self parent that came in that also helped me to really, to answer that original question. It's the self parent. It's the selfish uh, acceptance. It's the self love. It's the self discovery. And it's a lot of unlearning of past habits and patterns that allowed me to be able to see clearly that there was another path. Um, Angela Congton, actually my meditation coach, she said to me, it was about five years ago. And she said to me, but Kim, what if your corporate career isn't what you're supposed to be doing? Because I had just finished my degree and I, in gerontology, I designation as a gerontologist, like how do I walk away? Right? Because that's what you're hearing. Your aunts, your uncle, everyone's telling you what you should be. Mm -hmm. And society has a spell that way. And I went to university for what I should be. My parents wanted me to be a doctor. I didn't, yeah. I was great at science. I so, enjoy it. I enjoy science and research, but that wasn't my heart's calling. Right. And I find that a lot of women do that. They live for other people. Mm -hmm. And they live for what's comfortable. Mm -hmm. I could, would have still been in that corporate world. And I'm like praying for all of my friends that are working in long-term care and senior living right now in Ontario with what's happening for the world. Mm, I know. Because it is not, <laughs> it is not, it does not sound pretty or safe and secure. Mm -hmm. um, so again, everything happens for a reason and I'm not in that situation right now, you know, but 
four years ago, I made a choice. So I think, and so how is your life different now with you in the, in the driver's seat of your life? Well, uh, I still work my, my tail off if I'm honest. Like I don't, I'm doing air quotes for everyone listening. Um, but it's like this notion of freedom, you know, Mm -hmm. for me, freedom means I get to be who I am. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I'm now just kicking my feet up and twiddling my thumbs and have all this extra time on my hands because I still work just as hard as I did when That's I worked so in my corporate funny. world, but I'm working for myself now. So my own return on investment is, you know, when my children see me working really hard, they know that they are reaping the benefits themselves directly. And I want them to see their mom working really hard because I am a very hard worker. And, and you want and them okay to see what what's possible for absolutely. them, right? Absolutely. You know, one of the things I learned with them is when they ask me a question, I know that I can put my phone down with this. You know, what I love about this, we'll call that the freedom. You know, I don't have a boss that's telling me I need this by noon. You know, but that's don't you my find point. that sometimes working for yourself, it's even worse because it's your own, it's your own mind saying you need to do this. You need to get this done. Yeah. I, I, find- I, I did at the beginning more than now. Um, you know, there's like, I, I just, I, I sometimes when I talk to my team, I'm like, I don't really want to tell you what I do in a day because I feel like you're not going to want to build a business to where I've built it, you know, because, but that's my own standard. But doesn't it, but you find enjoyment and fulfillment from it. And I think that's the difference. Now it doesn't feel like work, even though you are in essence taking action on things, it's not really work, right? Uh, yeah. And I, I do want to say too, I think that there's this, um, there's this dissonance that we take away from what hard work is. I think mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with identifying that work is hard. You know, when I think about the type of work I do, it's a lot. The, and what I mean by it's a lot, it's the, the volume of the work that I do need to get done in a day is a lot. Mm-hmm. Would I say that a lot of it's hard? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard work staying super focused to make sure you get done the things you need to get done. Yeah. Those distractions. Yeah. yeah <laughs> a little convol- so yes, I mean to, to balance parenting and working a business independently, we actually have two businesses. Um, so, you know, like I'm running two, two different businesses completely separate, which is a lot of work and requires a ton of time blocking and, you know, giving myself grace. I pep talk myself all day long. You know, I just, I walk around the house and my Colby will say to me, mom, who are you talking to? Like, dude, I'm talking to myself because I've got this and I'm going to stay focused. And he's like, okay. And now I've started to hear him say when he's doing his homework, okay, we're just going to solve this problem and we're going to get this done and we're going to move on with our day. And he's starting to give himself little pep talks. My, my children are a little bit older than yours, but I noticed that I used to listen to Tony Robbins in the car when I was driving my daughter to competitive dance and my son to hockey. And I would listen to Tony Robbins and they were always like, mom, what is this guy talking about? Like, turn this off. Don't you like music? What are you doing to us? And then my daughter was in grade nine and she came home and she says, I don't think I want to tell you this. And I said, why? She said, my teacher asked me a question and no one was raising their hand. And I put my hand up and I answered. And it was one of the things that Tony Robbins said in the car. And it was just so funny that they just absorb by osmosis, right? And they absorb by your example and what you show them. And that's what I love about what you're doing. You're just living by example. And this whole, I want to um, touch on the legacy brand because you're leaving a legacy for your children. 
mm-hmm. showing them with what you do. We, we all are. And I, I'm actually living two legacies just like you are. Um, you're living out, you know, you're for your dad. And it's like, you know, we, we, I'm living out a legacy of, you know, my 32 year old mom that didn't get to live her life. Um, and I, I feel great privilege, you know, legacy is knowing that, you know, it is, it's actually, you know, what you leave inside of others. It's not what you leave for others. And I think that that's something that's really important. And it's a great reminder for us to know that we are creating our legacy each day, you know, so the habits you create, the, the, the belief system you have, the routines you have are part of what you are creating. Um, we had a, a massive scare in October, uh, on October 27th of last year. And I remember this and every day. So for those of you that don't know, my husband had a cardiac arrest. Um, we were cleared four weeks to the day that he was fine. His nuclear scans were fine, even though he'd been having chest pain and heart stuff. Um, and uh, my daughter, I was, I was actually sitting right here on a very Zoom call just like this. I was mapping out my week. Um, and my daughter opened the door and she called for me. And I got very scared. Um, I didn't want to go upstairs. I didn't know what I was going to find. But I was almost like I'd been told for two weeks leading up to it, you're in training. You're in training. So through my meditation, through my morning routine, I heard you're in training. You're in training. And I was like, this is amazing. I must be going to be asked on stage to speak at the RISE conference I'm going to. This is what's oh, yeah. okay. I'm in training. I'm in training. And this is what I just was telling myself in my head, right? Not But true. it's funny that you could feel it. Yes. So I just kept hearing this words, you're in training, you're in training, like eat well, hydrate, go to bed, you're in training. I was doing all those things. And as I walked up the stairs, I heard you're in training. And when I found my husband, he was unresponsive in a cardiac arrest. Um, Tess had found him. Um, and I immediately started giving him CPR. Uh, Tess helped me. Called, we called 911. Um, and I gave my And how CPR. old is your husband? He's 47. So um, he was 46 at the time. So I um, gave eight minutes of CPR before the firemen came. And they were able to save him um, by shocking him. And he went in for surgery. And he's doing great. He's in the six percent, and I'm he's so in glad. the one, and he's in the one percent of people that have recovered from this with no brain injuries. Um, so we're very blessed. And one of the things that I think about with my legacy is, and even with him, like every single day I wake up, I think if I were to be gone today, how did I live out yesterday? If I were to be gone today, how did I leave that last conversation with my children? If I were to be gone today, what imprint did I make? An impact did I make? Because this isn't real life. <laughs> Social media is not real life. It's no. not. It's not. And it's what happens behind the scenes. It's what happens when you lay your head on the bed and whether or not you did a great job. You know, for me, I want to be a great ancestor. There's a lot I need to learn and there's a lot, a lot I need to unlearn. You know, there's a lot I need to teach my children and there's a lot of things that we need, I need to continue to move forward on. But most of all, I want to I wanna leave a very strong legacy um, for however many hours I have left in this earth. And I think that's an opportunity for all of us to do some great insight. And I think a lot of people fear death. Um, we fear unknown. Whereas if you can find the comfort in the face of you're doing a really great job, 
and you're doing the best that you can and you truly are living your passion and you truly are living in authentic, in authenticity, I do believe there's a different air about you. But when you're complaining and you're negative and you're stuck in comparison and you're stuck in judgment, that's a victim mindset. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference between being a victor in your life or living as a victim. And I lived as a victim for far too long. And that's the other part of your question. I stopped being a victim when I decided to go do my own business because I don't want to be a victim as I create something that's brand new. I, my corporate environment allowed me to be a victim because mm-hmm. all it was was toxicity and complaining and frustration mm-hmm. and nothing I could do to change. Or so I thought. And I didn't want to bring that into my world as I started to navigate who I am. So the, the woman I'm sitting here today sharing is, a, is, is, is an involvement. It's a, it's a growth. Legacy is about committing to just changing and rising and knowing that you can do this and you reach for the best version of you each day. And some days your best version may be sleeping in and eating a bag of chips and watching movies. Mm-hmm. That may be your think, best version some days. But I think that we can what, be so... You know, we can get so caught up in perfection too, right? Yeah. When, when we hear these air quotes, best version, it means I have to be the best every day on top of everything all the time. And, and that's not necessarily what it means. It's, it's not what it means. It's what does your best version of you in this moment look like right now? And what are you taking? You know, and I, I think that, and that would help a lot of boundaries. Sorry. I interrupted I said, you. you have to, <laughs> I think I interrupted you, but you have to, you have to claw your boundaries. You have to set some boundaries for yourself and give yourself permission as a checkpoint. You know, this morning I knew I needed to not set an alarm. I was like, I'm not going to set an alarm. It was late last night. I got to bed. We're going for something massive as a team this week. It's been a lot. I knew I needed to have that sleep, but mm-hmm. I gave myself permission to not set the alarm and my internal clock got me up anyway. So that was my best version of me being able to gift myself, not having that pressure, but I got up anyway. You and know, I think that's so the thing showing up for yourself and showing up for your life in the best way possible. And I yeah. think Kim, that's why I think you've built such a beautiful community and this brand around your, your light. Like you're just, everything that you're saying, you embody it, you when I met you, you were exactly the way that you are, that you show up for your mm-hmm. audience, you show up for your right. clients. And yeah. I tell my clients this all the time. You need, it can't be this curated life on there. People connect to you by being who you are and showing mm-hmm. those aspects. And you get really personal. Mm-hmm. And I you're sure okay. Do. Yeah. And you're okay yeah. with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, personal is universal. I relate. But you to share you. like you share the good, the bad, and some like really hard things. Yeah, absolutely. It's cathartic. It's healing. It's my journey. It's how I choose to show up, you know. And it's given what I believe and what I've really been taught and what I'm learning is that, um, you know, shame loves to hide. Mm-hmm. Shame loves when you don't talk about it, and that's Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. And I don't have shame. I have a story. I have a lot of story. And when I hide it and I don't talk about it personally, for me, that doesn't mean that this applies for everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone is unique in their own way. Um, and how you process things in your own way is great. 
Um, but what I've learned by being able to share that I always have, I've always shared, I always have talked. I'm very much an emotive person and I talk when things are not right. I, when I was a little girl, I would scream because things weren't right and things weren't okay. And when things aren't okay in the world, I scream right back. Mm -hmm. And that's not for everyone and that's okay. I'm okay that I'm not for everyone because the people that I am for, I believe that we have mutually given each other permission to show up as who we are authentically. And when you hide a little version of yourself or you think you're too much or you think that, you know, you don't want to share that, that is completely up to you. And I have full respect for anyone that doesn't want to share um, who they are or they don't want to talk about it. That's okay. But I do love what Angela always says to me. She's meditation coach says, how's that working for you? How's it, how's it working for you? You know, when, when you don't come open or you don't talk about things and to answer, I know this isn't about the question of being so open and honest on social no, media, no, it's okay. but, I love this. <laughs> but I, I feel like that's who I am. And I, I really love Danielle Laporte has a great analogy and I adopted it very early. She says, there's two different types of people. There's people that show up in naive vulnerability. I'm going to share my story. Everyone's going to resonate. It's going to be incredible. It's about me. Naive vulnerability is that. Okay. Awake vulnerability is when I'm going to share hard truths. Not everyone's going to like this. Not everyone's going to resonate. But there are going to be some people that this does relate to and it does resonate with and that do need to hear it as well. So awake vulnerability is being able to have the ability to show up who you are authentically. That's true to who your compass is mm-hmm. and share anyway. And without fear, without judgment. Well, yeah, if you have your own self-judgment or, or you worry, also try to come to us from a place of what I'm learning, not what I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to learn every day. I need to be a student. I, I work very hard to have no ego. Um, ego is when you edge God out. And I'm very, very spiritual and aligned and I listen a lot and I get quiet a lot. And a lot of my messages actually don't come from me. They come from what I'm being told and what I need to feel that urge of sharing. So the healing that goes on for other women, because I have the power and the vulnerability to share Mm -hmm. is the gift that I'm now, I believe um, part of my purpose that I've been put on and part of my assignment. But I think part of that too, is that you're, you're being in service. You're just constantly serving and giving. Yeah. I'm a servant leader to its definition, core definition. Yes. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm of service. That's my, I believe my responsibility. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this got so deep. I forgot my next question. Oh, that's okay. I love it. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. So you said something in, in that last little bit that I wanted to touch on that it in, it's in those times of quiet. So right now I know a lot of people are struggling with maybe they don't want, maybe they don't have a job to go back to. Maybe they didn't necessarily like that job that they were in. And this quarantine has given us a lot of time to go deep and go within. Is there anything that you could, any advice that you could impart to someone that maybe is thinking there's more for me out there, but I don't know, I don't know where to start finding what it might be. I love that question. I think it's so important to 
this is where it comes down to going back to that best version. And so I love this exercise. I do not know who taught me this, but was one of the life coaches (laughs) that I went, that I attended. And, and she had us all write down on this white piece of paper and we got out this white blank piece of paper. And it was like everything that brings you joy and everything that sparks that passion inside Um, and things that you're good at and things that you love to do when you don't have to do something. Mm-hmm. That is where you can start to spark your passion. You know, I think sometimes we look at someone else's life and we think I could do that. Oh, that looks fun. I could do that. And and the reason I believe sometimes why it doesn't work out for some people is cuz deep down inside maybe that's not for you. Or you haven't figured out the way that you want to brand yourself or do it in your own way and in your own voice. So one of the ways and some of the advice I would give is who are you and how, and where do you want to go with that? You know, do you have, do you want to write a book? Do you want to start a podcast? Do you want to go back to school for something? You know, do you have a hobby? You know, do you have, do you have great penmanship and you want to teach that? Cause there's, it's a lost art. Etiquette. <laughs> you know, I want someone to teach me better. Yes, etiquette. <laughs> yes. You know, my grandmother will teach you, but it's like, you know, so part of that is actually taking the time because we don't gift ourselves the time to dream anymore. We don't gift ourselves the time to reflect on what went really well. That's the data that we learn. My great friend, Dr. Sarah Sarkis, she's a psychologist um, out of Hawaii. She talks about the notion that everything is data. So if you can think about all the things you love, that's your data. And how are you going to stream that data of what you could do um, to build a business potentially, to maybe apply for a different career. Um, that is so specific to yourself. And then the other thing, the caveat I had asked, add with that is then schedule an hour on Sunday morning. Like before your kids wake up, get up earlier than everyone else. Your house is quiet, grab a coffee. And I want you to Google that idea you have. Whatever it is. Like maybe you want to be an astronomer. I don't know. Whatever <laughs> it is you want, whatever serves your soul. Mm -hmm. I want you to find out who's done it, who's doing it. Because when you find other people that are doing something you want to do, it gives you permission to say, I can do that too. And hell, I'm going to do it better. But you have to figure out who you are first. It's a great question. But Kathy, there's many people that don't do that. There's many people that don't give themselves enough faith, courage, or belief. And God damn it, take the time to carve out what you want. And vision is massive. If you do not have a vision, if you're not casting out what you're doing every morning, that stuff's not coming true because if but you think, are, you know, if you're waking up to the alarm and that your and your kids are waking you up, you're behind the eight ball. And when that you wake up to the my world, corporate job, yeah. I, I, every day I'd be like driving and thinking, is this it? This is my life. This yeah. is it. And someone else is taking care of my little baby girl. And yeah. this is all I'm going to do for the next 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's reality for a lot of people. And that, and I think that that's incredible if that is what you want. And I think you should acknowledge and honor that. But it was the voice inside. I knew that wasn't what I wanted because a lot of my friends have been very successful there. It just wasn't for me. And I think that's the key that we, we need to listen to that voice. Mm -hmm. If there's something that's telling you, you know, maybe this is time to make a shift or there's something else out there for you, not to ignore that voice or push Mm -hmm. it down. Well, I think we do. And we buffer it. I know I did. I buffered it with wine every Friday night. Mm. That, that <laughs> voice wanting more was like, I'm going to eat my face off all weekend and drink, <laughs> which didn't serve me. 
you know, and I think that's part of the buffering is what are you doing? How are your tendencies? Where are you spending your time? Um, this, this requires an internal audit. It's not just some fancy idea. It requires hard work and you're the work. You're but the project I also first. think that it can evolve, right? Because I felt as a mom, my purpose at that point was to take, do the best at being a mom. And then there was still, it would come back a little bit, like that quiet little voice again. I and loved then, um, Glennon's point about that in her book. Oh my gosh, that book. About the memo. So the memo that you've given of your life is to be to your children. Mm-hmm. Your entire soul responsibility is only to make your children happy and mm-hmm. keep them alive. That's not, mm-hmm. that's that, not my that job. Hit me, but that <laughs> yeah. hit me in the chest because that's how I felt for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then my kids were a little bit older and I looked at my life and I thought, wait, I can do more than this. Mm-hmm. And I, I, to that point of me saying that's not my job for me, if I'm honest with you, Kathy, I had to, I had to learn what they've looked like to be that great mom to me. So imagine guys, if all of us, you know, I, I have a lot of girlfriends that I talk to and they're like, I go to bed just questioning all the things I did as a mom today. Mm-hmm. And I just want to hug everyone because don't we all deserve that we did, we really are good trying to do the best we can. And I love uh, Maya Angelou's, uh, you know, quote, it's like, once you, you know, do what you can until you know better and then do better. Mm-hmm. So every day we should just do better by our children, by our like husband, our marriages, like what all the things, right? And 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 with that does come some pressure. It does, um, and it comes on education, right? I mean, Kathy, I think it's beautiful that you identified you wanted more, but it doesn't mean what you did do is wrong. It oh no, I didn't feel that at do. the time. I felt like it was time to evolve. I always felt like things were an evolution. You know, I went from my corporate job to a side hustle and home with my kids. And then the side hustle just needed to amp up at a point. Like it just always kept evolving. And even with this podcast, I'm not photographing as much that I could do more. I could help people. <laughs> you know, so it's always, to me, I feel like every, a lot of, a lot of people I speak to feel that, you know, once they make that decision, that's it it's in stone. That's it. And I just want to reiterate the, the point that you're constantly learning, you're constantly evolving. And even if you have a vision and you have clarity, it might change over time. Just try it, get your feet wet, see what happens. Yeah. Because I clarity, like clarity and confidence comes from action. So you need to move forward to figure it out. Maybe it's mm-hmm. not the right step, but it'll take you closer to what is. And I think too, it's also giving yourself permission. If you are that mama, that's feeling like you're just pouring out to your kids right now to just give yourself that grace that you're doing an incredible job. This is probably one of the most important jobs is raising incredible independent humans with their own identities. They're not, I don't believe that I need another Kim in the world. The kid world does not need another me. The world needs a Tessa. And the world needs a Colby. And my job is to help raise them to be the best versions of themselves they can be. And I still don't know what that looks like, but I always ask myself, am I fighting with them because that's not what I think? Or am I fighting with them because it's something that makes me uncomfortable? 
And that's an opportunity for it being a mirror to me. Do you know Dr. Shafali, the conscience? I sh- oh, oh, I sure do. I've followed her for years since my son was born. I followed her since the soul sessions on Oprah. I was flipping out that she changed my life. She changed the way that I was. She changed the way that I parented. She changed the way that I viewed my children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like when my kids were babies, that's what I grew up with. So I, I, my kids wore pajamas and tutus all day long, every day, everywhere to kind of christenings. I still got, I got a comment the other day. Someone said, why on earth is your son in a onesie? He's 11. He's old enough to be wearing clothes. I'm like, oh, thank you for your opinion. I appreciate that. We're great over here because everyone in the world has an opinion, right? Mm -hmm. But he's cozy and comfortable and safe and he wore it to bed. We're good, right? But I allow my children to dress themselves. It's not on whether I think he should be wearing khakis and a collared button-up shirt to look presentable. It's not my decision. It's his. That reminds me of a photo shoot I did once with my kids when they were little and my son wanted to wear a robe. I think he had a That's headband. That's amazing. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kim, I just want to thank you so much for importing all this wisdom. I, d- I wanted to touch quickly before I let you go because I know we're short on t- – we are limited on time. But um, – Community. I wanted to touch on that because I really believe that, you know, you are like the people you hang around. And if maybe the people that are around you aren't supporting you, you need to branch out and, you know, find a circle that will cheer for you because I'm the biggest cheerleader on the planet. I just, I, I really think that you need to surround your people, w- yourself with people who elevate you on a daily basis. And that has a lot to do with one's success. And I'd like for you to share your thoughts on that. I love that. I, I totally agree with you. And you are, you're such an incredible cheerleader. And I, really <laughs> love it. And I think the, the other point to that, that I, I'd love to piggyback on top of that is also to have women and people in your lives that level you up and challenge things that you say. And maybe be, do ruffle some feathers that get you thinking objectively. Um, if you are the smartest person in your circle, you need a new circle. Mm-hmm. If you are the go-to, you need a new circle. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes that's comfortable to be the one that's the go-to. That's great. That's, that's good for your ego. But how's that going for your soul? And how are you learning? And how are you growing? So what I believe, community for me is everything. Um, when I was a, a little girl and my mom was sick in the hospital, I still have women from her church that will stop me on the street saying, I raised you. I know your mom. I held you as a baby. You know, some of my, my best friends, parents, I was in the pack and play with them in our little onesies together because it was a, it was a community that helped to serve. Um, so for me, I was born into community through trauma. And what I know by community and what I've learned from community is that community is everything. Community is a space that's safe and a place that should lift you up and that should teach you and help you and inspire you. Um, And that's what I've really worked hard to create collectively. I also think that community is collaborative and community is about we, not I. Mm -hmm. And that's something I believe that's powerful. The, The more diverse, the better. Um, the more inclusion, the better. The more that everybody has a voice, the better. 
um, because that is, I believe, what makes a community so successful is when it's a collective voice of people working together towards that common good. You know, whether it be working on that best version of yourself uniquely yet independently, but also knowing that you're not alone in that quest. And that to me is community. It's really being able to rally and learn how to lean on each other without that being a weakness, but yet such a great strength. Do you find that a lot of your success has come with that from that community? Like your personal development, your personal growth, that success is what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I think it has helped, but a lot of the pillars that came from doing that for so long has helped that. So um, they're the pillars of what I teach and what I model um, in the community. And I think that the having a community has been helpful for me from an accountability perspective, for sure. Absolutely. You know, there are times where, especially after um, what happened for us in October, I couldn't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And some of my incredible leaders on our team, they they made me meet them at 6 a.m. to move my body because they knew that that would help my anxiety. They knew that would help the, the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so do I rely on my community? I think just as much as they rely on me. And that's the beautiful part about community is that we are, you know, we catch each other seasons when we're low and we lift each other in the seasons when we're high. Well, we're almost, we have one more minute. So I'm just going to say, ask you one more question. I noticed that you said, okay. On Instagram, your word for 2020 was light. Do you still feel that in yes. light of everything that's gone on? Absolutely. If not ever more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And light. Absolutely. I do. Yeah. I feel that, you know, I'm going to constantly search for that light and that hope um, because I believe that in light you see clearly. I love podcasting for the reason that I get to chat and sit down with amazing humans like Kim Fitzpatrick. Please let me know what you thought of this episode. I'd love to hear your comments. I'd love to hear your takeaways. If you would like to connect with Kim, you can find her at Jamie and Kim Fitzpatrick fitness.com. Her Instagram is Kim underscore M underscore Fitzpatrick on Instagram Kim provided the inspiration, but this is a line and hustle. So please check the show notes where I will link up all of the resources and references that we spoke about in the episode so that you can take action towards getting one step closer to that best version of you. Thank you so much again. I will see you on the next one.